Hi, and welcome to this edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Our mission here at Fresh Hope for Mental Health is to empower you to live well in spite of your mental health challenge by sharing insights through interviews, practical tools for living well, encouragement and courage for overcoming all from a Christian perspective. And now, here's your host, Pastor Brad Hayes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. I'm Brad Hafes, your host, and I have with me today a guest that I think you're going to enjoy and get a lot out of, um, or get a lot from, I should say, and uh, his name is Kirk Martin, and I've just met him, but uh, one of our staff members actually got us in contact with him, and so Kirk Tell us who you are, what do you do, and what in the heck are you doing moving to Montana? That question, I don't know. I can't <laughs> answer why we did that, but I do know. So I, I'll try to give you the two-minute version. So I am son of a uh, career military dad who knew my where the highway, uh, fear and intimidation approach. So my dad had four sons. We all grew up. <clears throat> we got married and had kids, and we just replicated the same thing yelling at our kids, fear and intimidation, until I finally discovered with my son, it didn't work. Very strong-willed son, came out of the womb with boxing gloves on, loved to argue, kind of a fight or flight kid. And so I was losing my relationship with him. And I was always asking like, why did you give us this kid? Like why, my sole focus for the first nine years was fix him, change him, because he was so difficult, emotionally volatile, uh, little things were hard, um, just didn't listen the first or the 18th time. And then what I finally discovered was there's only one person in life that I can control, and that's me. And the quickest way to change your child's behavior is to first control your own. Because I would yell at Casey like, you need to calm down. And he was like, apparently you haven't mastered that skill and you're like 35, right? Like, but it was a beautiful thing because what I discovered was when I learned how to control my own emotions, my anxiety, my own control issues, which we all have, it changed his responses. And I had a much better impact. And we started to build a trusting relationship versus that I'm going to make you do things so that you don't lose X it became a trusting relationship. And so after that, we uh, began working with um, kids on the spectrum, um, strong-willed kids, kids with learning difficulties and decided to invite them actually into our home. So the idea was rather than doing one-on-one -on -one therapy in an office, let's have eight, 10, 15 uh, really difficult kids come into our house. We'll change plans on them at the last moment so they freak out, uh, they will melt down a lot, and in the moment, we will teach them, what do you do with frustration? What do you do when you're disappointed? And, and teach them impulse control. So over a decade, we had about 1,500 kids come through our home. And so after that, we started doing the speaking and podcasting on all those things. But um, it's a pretty so that, awesome experience. Are you a therapist? Uh, no, I have, I will be honest, I have zero qualifications to do what I do. I just happened to be really intuitive and really good with very strong-willed kids. My, oh, yeah. wife, my wife is a therapist, trained therapist, um, but my, my talents in that way are I'm very good at observing patterns 
and really getting to the heart of what's going on inside, say, a child who's struggling with anxiety, partly because I struggle with that. So Well, and I think the, the truth be told, um, most of us would rather speak to somebody who's done it than somebody who studied it. Um, not to put therapists down or anything, right. but so often what we forget is that peer-to-peer -peer component. And that's what Fresh Hope's all about, you know, is really right. we want to talk to each other because we've been through it. That helps us learn how to do this between our doctor's appointments or between our therapist appointments or whatever. And, you know, there's nothing like talking to somebody who's been there. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad to talk with you today. Um, you uh, could have helped me many years ago because I was undiagnosed bipolar, um, reeling out of control when my kids were, you know, getting into the middle school years and um, I was getting sicker and I was yelling louder. Right. And, and uh, like I told you before, we turned on the uh, record button, uh, I would yell. I thought if I yelled louder and closer to their face, <laughs> and even if I spit on them while I was yelling, that that somehow was going to get their attention. And my son would just roll his eyes to the back of his head. And you could tell he was going someplace else. You know, it was like, okay, I just got to endure this for a few minutes. He never yelled back, never got mad or anything. But I could have used it. And I have a feeling a lot of our listeners to uh, Fresh Hope for Mental Health podcast uh, could use this because when you, have a, when you have a mental health issue, it even it makes it more so that the parenting is difficult and frustration or frustrating because I had no emotional regulation not being uh, treated. Uh, so talk to us about it. Tell us some of the things you know, um, specifically thinking about that person that is out there maybe suffering from anxiety and depression or um, just are not doing well themselves. Right. I think that's one of the things I tried to do early on because I'm more of a, as you'll be able to tell as I speak, I'm more of like an ADHD guy, right? And I do struggle with anxiety, uh, unknowns, things kind of freak me out a little bit. And it was all my focus had been on changing my son. Let me fix his behavior. And when I started to work just on myself of, you know, here's a, a practical one I did, identifying my own triggers, right? So I'd identify my dad's career military. If you're not five minutes early, then you're 10 minutes late. So of course we had a son who dawdled in the morning. Well, what happens? That triggers me. Then, so when Casey resists and dawdles, what happens? Casey, hey, hey, put, put your shoes on, get in the car, we need to go. Well, when I get in that anxious mode, come on, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, right? Which is the Sunday morning before church, which is the most horrible morning of exactly. any, right? Like, yes, it is awful. The more I yell, the more I get anxious, the more kids tend to resist. And they're not rejecting your authority, they're rejecting your anxiety. Because that anxiety tells them, I can't please you. No matter how quickly I move, you are going to always want more. 
no matter how much I bring my grades up from a C to a B, you're still not going to be happy. And so they shut down and do the opposite. And so I began to see how much my reactions would trigger the exact opposite result that I wanted from my son. Like you noticed with probably your kids when you lecture about school more. You know what? If you would just apply yourself, you would be capable and you need to put in effort. And then they shut down even more. And so a little trick I learned was if what I'm naturally doing is getting me the exact opposite result of what I want, why don't I do the opposite? So rather than walking into a room all anxious and barking, I would walk in and sit down. And I know people are like sitting down. That's not like I want a five-step therapeutic plan. And I was like, you're not going to do the five-step therapeutic yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah. But you can sit because if I walk into a room with two siblings fighting and I come in, you know what? I buy you guys all these toys and all these video games. You can't even play well for 10 minutes. You go to your room. You go to your room. I haven't taught them or solved anything. No. I just wanted to get them to shut up, honestly, yep. right? Yep. And I tend to trigger more. But I guarantee if you walked in and you literally sat or laid down on the middle of the living room floor, those two kids would stop their arguing because they would look at you like, what are you doing laying on the floor? Well, now I have an opportunity to discipline because discipline literally means to teach. And now yeah. I can take the provoking child who irritates his brother because he's bored and say, I know what's going on. You're bored. You have this awesome brain. It runs all the time. You have all these ideas, but you hate being bored. And when you get bored, you just push your sister or brother's buttons, but then you always get in trouble for it. So I've got another idea because I know two things about you. You've got a big heart never toward me, but toward other people. Because you know, pastor, these kids, strong little kids, they're terrible for their parents, but they are great for anybody else. Mm -hmm. so you got a big heart and you love money. Because a lot of the kids we work with, born entrepreneurs. So I've got an idea. You can continue to irritate your brother if you want, but you're just going to lose your stuff. But if you want to come help me with dinner, I bet we could brainstorm three different ways to earn some money in the neighborhood. And with that money, you can give some money to St. Jude's to help kids with cancer. You can buy your own toys. We can start investing it. And, I'm, I'm, and now I'm teaching, but it started with not walking in and trying to change the two siblings. It began with me walking in, sitting down, crossing my legs and talking in a very even matter of fact manner, which is very, very grounding for our kids. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense, but I like Oh, it makes stuff. perfect sense to me. And, you know, scripture says that we should uh, train up a child in the way that they should go. And that really, the translation there, when you get behind the language behind it, the original language, it means that your child comes to you gifted and already someone. You don't turn them into who they are. You only can help refine what God made you know, and so to recognize that some kids are strong-willed, and they're entrepreneurial, they're, you know, this or that, yeah, I get it, and talk about the uh, craziness of what we do as parents, um, I, when my son was three years old, he was out in the backyard, we had dinner guests, my cousin and her husband, they didn't have any kids yet, so she knew how to raise children, and, um, 
I uh, and my wife are sitting there in the kitchen and our son is outside yelling us a lot. I mean, we could hear him. That whole neighborhood had to have heard him. And so what do I do? I open the door, slide it open and said, Noah, stop yelling. <laughs> Closed the door, sat down with these two dinner guests and, you know, went about it. And she goes, gosh, that just makes a lot of sense. Yell at your son to tell him to stop yelling. And I'm like, ah. You know, and how many times do you say, I'm going to spank you. If you hit your brother one more time, I'm going to spank you. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? it? It is. And it's just, we love our kids so much and we want them to grow up and be successful. And when we see them not doing, quote, the right things, then it triggers, right? We're like, oh, how, how's he going to be successful in life if he's out yelling and he's doing these things? And we just get reactive and then we create kind of the same dynamic. And so a lot of what we talk about is just breaking the generational patterns, right? Like I, my dad was fear and intimidation because that's what that generation did. Mm -hmm. And then what well, we and so much of our parenting is based on shame. Sh our, our society is based within shame. I mean, it, the news is all about shame. It, it, we're all listening to the shaming story about such and thus. Yeah. So the breaking those patterns. I, I would say, you know, you hit on something really important. The strong-willed kids that we work with, when parents come to our live events or email, they're like, oh, my son is so defiant. He's disrespectful. He doesn't listen. And the words that I come up with are usually, um, you have a child who's very frustrated. Because see, if I have a frustrated child, that takes me down one path. But if I just have a defiant child, who's mm -hmm. that's how we define him, I can't do a lot with that, right? Besides like, stop being defiant. But if I've got a frustrated child, I'll help you deal with your frustration. The other thing is the shame. The strong-willed child usually comes out of the womb just a little bit more challenging. They don't want to do things the way you want them to do. They want ownership of their choices, right? And you will spend your childhood saying, if you would just do what I asked you to do, you would be done in seven minutes. But you'd rather argue with me for seven hours or weeks or days or years and lose everything you own. And these are kids who... I'm sure you found they don't respond to consequences. No. And so what they often feel inside is shame. I'm a bad kid. You like my brother more than you like me. Why am I always in trouble? And that's, we tend to reinforce the shame rather than giving them tools to actually succeed. So that's an yeah. awesome insight from you on, on that shame. Well, and the thing is, is that what I would say to those of you who are listening um, you know, there's even a part of me that even as Kirk is talking, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I was really a bad parent, you know, I really, you know, yeah, we mess up as parents, there are no perfect parents. And, you know, one of the things we can do to ourselves is shame ourselves, you know, but the reality is, okay, so I made mistakes. But I also, as a parent, went to my children and said, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I didn't need to yell like that. Um, you know, so as a parent, I think you got to be careful, especially when you're in the midst of parenting. You're still parenting that child. Uh, own up to it and change, right? Uh, it, it, kids are resilient in that sense. 
Um, I'm sure when you you started discovering these things, your son started reacting differently, and it helped him, and he was able to grow beyond the things you did wrong before that, right? right? Well, that well, so now when I come and I say, hey, you know what that that situation that wasn't about you, that was me. That's on me. I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have reacted. You're now modeling humility. You're modeling taking responsibility for your own behavior. And you're just being honest, right? Like if you go and apologize, like tell your kids like, hey guys, listen, do I lecture too much, right? Does it ever feel like I'm on you all the time, right? They're not gonna be like, no, we never noticed, right? Like it's, of course. (coughs) And so a lot of times dads, because you and I talked a little bit before, um, dads tend to live in denial, right? Like I don't have anger issues. I'm like, clearly you have denial issues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're afraid sometimes, well, if my kids see me like that, I'm like, they already see that. They can see you flipping people off in traffic and they know when the waiter doesn't bring something and you get upset and, and your voice gets tense and in the car. So when they see you changing, um, you know what, my son, if you were to talk to my son, here's the one thing he would tell you. I don't remember the stuff that my dad taught me, really. I don't remember the lectures, but I remember watching my dad change right in front of my eyes from a reactive person who yelled and got upset to someone who could control himself. That's what he remembers. And, and that's so, what he yeah. learns. I and mean, that's, that's yeah, because... See, I think um, I understand as a grandparent today, uh, you know, I'm watching the parenting that my kids are doing, but I am interacting with my grandchildren like I wish I would have interacted with my children. Right. And, and uh, you know, I, we had a, a, a guy that did our premarital counseling and he told us, you never, usually you don't always make the same mistakes that your parents make. You, you say, my dad always did this, so I'm going to do this. Right. And sometimes the, this is just as bad as what dad did, if not worse. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. It, breaking those patterns that you, you mentioned it before, that's really a big deal to, right. to recognize one's patterns. Um, what would you say to the parent today that's listening and is really struggling with parenting and they're just saying, oh, I've just screwed up. I, I can't control myself, you know, blah, blah, blah. What would you say to them? Where should they start? Uh, how do they go about changing? I'd say uh, one is you should be struggling, right? Like this is really hard. Like, especially Christian parents a lot are like, well, we love the Lord and we pray. And I'm like, okay, the first family, Adam and Eve had two kids. One of the first two kids was a murderer, right? And And killed his brother. Yes, there were no video games. There are no guns. It's, It's hard and it's supposed to be hard because the purpose of relationships is not happiness, it's transformation. It changes you. So embrace that part. Don't beat yourself up. It's just, as I get older, and I'm sure you found this, it's so much easier to be honest with yourself and not beat yourself up because like, no, I am clay. I messed up. So I would start with some very simple things like maybe pick a, uh, a common uh, part of the day that messes you up. Like if in the morning, 
It's like the kids aren't getting up on time and you're barking right away. Let's just work on morning time. What can we do opposite of what we normally do? So instead of walking into your child's room, come on, get, get, get up, we've got to go to school and start barking. Let's connect first thing in the morning because connection tends to lead to more cooperation, more compliance. Right. So with that strong-willed child, walk in in the morning, sit on the side of the bed and wake them up with a compliment, right? Like, hey, last night, it really helped when you brought your fork back from the table to the sink. Maybe one day you'll bring all your dishes back. I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic. Right. Uh, but, but I want progress, not perfection, right? Because it's yes, sometimes exactly. hard to find a compliment. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. it's hard to find a compliment. But I start with connecting with the child in the morning. I start with, uh, with strong-willed kids, weird, uh, giving them tools. Hey, I bet you can't find where I hid your breakfast outside. Our strong-willed kids love challenges. And instead of just the rigid, get up, get dressed, come downstairs, I hide their food outside and I make them forage for it. I hide them in an obstacle course. And I change the dynamic where I'm giving the child tools to succeed. And I'm creating, I'm making those challenges where I can say, that was awesome. I, I didn't think you were gonna be able to find your breakfast and you found it. And then they ate outside and they're perfectly happy which by the way is great because you want the strong-willed child outside while you're inside. Makes it easy. I'm kidding, but not, <laughs> but not really. Yeah. I mean, I, I kid about those things, but it's true. The strong-willed child likes his space in the morning. So if he could actually eat up in a tree house in the morning, who cares? I'd encourage parents, and, and I don't know if you agree with this. The older I got, the more I realized so much of it just doesn't matter that much, right? Like oh, being, I agree. Yeah. Be creative. Do what works for your family and don't let other people, don't worry about other people. Judging. I worried way too much as a parent, what other people thought of how our family was doing, especially as a pastor. I mean, no, a lot of my, my now get this. I have a, a son who's incredible. He's just, and a daughter who's incredible, but my son, for instance, when he was a kid, we had, um, we called the kids in Sunday school classes. We did like a big church out in Chicago was doing, we called them sheep. There was a sheep pen. Okay. And then there was a, there was a sheep pen for wayward sheep. My son was in that almost every Sunday, you know, and um, <laughs> I, I, I know that people that knew us knew you know, they, they can't control their son. Well, no, it really was. We weren't, re, we didn't understand what we needed to do to bring about his best self. And instead we were becoming our worst selves, you know, in trying to manhandle him, you know, and it, it, uh, it, today I realize it did not work um, in that, in that sense. Now, fortunately, the relationship was there and we did a lot of work on that. And today he calls me every day. We talk, you know, awesome. it's, we're close, but yeah. So I want to assure anybody who is listening that um, Kirk mentioned that so much of it doesn't matter. You know, if you find yourself thinking about, well, my mother is going to say this about our kids when we're together at Christmas time or whatever, you know what? You got to let you got to let that go at some point. 
And um, yeah, I'm sorry, I could go on and on about this for hours. I want to make sure that every parent listening knows this, and that is, it's never too late to change. Absolutely. And it's never too late to say, I'm sorry. And uh, their relationships can be restored. Um, trust can be restored with work, yes. But like you said earlier, all this family stuff is work because it's iron sharpening iron, um, transformational growth within our relationships, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, don't give up the relationship. Build that relationship because it is relationships change behavior. Consequences don't really change behavior. Relationships do, right? So yeah. Can I, yeah. Give, can I give an example? Uh, this is the most common example that we get emails about, about a child being defiant and, and yes, calm please the child do. down. Yeah. So here, here's a common trigger for a lot of us as men and, and, and moms too. When I would hear my son yelling at my wife, so my typical response was to walk in, not walk, march into the room as the dad, say, Casey, how many times do I have to tell you, you don't yell at your mother? If you, if you, if you don't stop that, you're going to lose everything you own. And then I would use that as an, uh, as an excuse or an opportunity to lay into him for all the other things. Leave your Legos on the floor. You don't listen. And I say that for us, this is, there's no blame or guilt in anything that we do. But I do like things to sting a little bit so that we realize, oh, that's what I'm doing. When I did that, it was because there was a subtle level of resentment that I held against my strong-willed child because I felt like he made everything difficult. Our whole family life revolved around his emotions and we walked on eggshells. So I felt justified when he did something wrong. I felt justified in laying into him right? It's a very subtle thing I'd watch out for. And so naturally, when I started yelling, he got defensive response. And then I do another, uh, uh, one of those funny, i.e. dumb parenting things, you know, one more word, young man, which was a cue for him to say word, right? <laughs> or uh, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep it up. You already lost your video games for two weeks. You want to make it three. And the strong will child is going to call your bluff and say, let's just make it four because they know you can't do that. And yeah. so, so I realized at the time or a little bit later, you know, when their, their faces get all red and they're gone emotionally, they're past the point of no return. I kept going, you know what? Keep it up case, keep it up. And I was escalating things. And I think I was provoking him on purpose so that he would ultimately say, you know what? You're an idiot, dad or call me a name. So again, I felt justified when I went into the room and said to my wife, did you hear what your son just said to me? And she was like, where did you think he learned that from? But I had provoked him to anger with my own anger. And scripture tells us not to do that. No, we all, well, all the Christians, we all love the ones about children obey your parents. Yeah. But we forget so the ones of like, that Don't have to do with us. <laughs> I, look, I believe that lecturing too much and talking too much to a child is provoking them to anger because you see it. I got it. I got it, mom. Got it, mom. I know, but I don't think you really got it. So I'm going to keep going. 
Oh, right. and I would do that. I would, because I, I just believed that the more I talked about it and the more I drilled it into them, it would go deeper. Yeah, and, it, and, then, and then they reject it. They're never going to say, mom, dad, I didn't really want to do what you asked me to do, but after you lectured me for 15 minutes and gave me your 10-point plan, all of a sudden the light bulb went off and I see your wisdom, right? Like they're never going yeah, to- Yeah, that never, yeah, <laughs> never happened. I used to have my son sign contracts right. um, that if I wanted to make sure he understood. So if you do this, this, and this, this will happen. And if you do this, this, and this, this will happen. And then I'd make it, sign it and date it. I ran across some of those not long ago and it's like hilarious to me now, but, you know, and then I wondered why he felt like a failure at one point in his life. And then I had to go back and say, well, Abraham Lincoln ran for office this many times. You're you're not a failure, you know? And, but I had been telling him he was failing all the time by how I parented. Yeah. So, so in that moment, when I'm yelling at Casey and he's ramping up, here's what I realized later. What I was really saying to my son was this. I need you to behave because if you don't behave and do exactly what I say, I'm not sure I can behave and you do not want to see me angry. Right? Like that was a- That's painful to hear, but it's that's true. Painful, but it's, but it's true. And so there's no blame or guilt. It's just recognizing, oh, I can't control myself, so I actually need my child to behave so that I can actually, right? So let me give you a different twist of let's go in and do that situation differently. Two quick um, uh, points. One is I don't discipline until I de-escalate situations because it doesn't work. Like, Pastor, you know this. When did it ever work? Son, we need to talk about your attitude right now, right? Like he was never like, okay, I think it's a good time, right? Like it just doesn't work. And then this phrase, motion changes emotion. We are big fans of getting kids moving when they're upset. Standing in the same place in the kitchen with two upset people always leads to escalation, bad words, and, and, and heartache. Or the so, parent actually does take away horrible, the consequences far outweigh the issue, you know, yeah. Or, or to your point, it's not even the issue. So I hear my son yelling at my wife. Well, my first thought is that's defiance, that's disrespect. But if I walk into the kitchen and I say with some intensity, I like intensity with intense kids, positive intensity. Hey, Case, I can tell you're frustrated. Listen, I hold up a football. I'm going to go outside when you're ready. If you want to come play catch, I'll help you out with whatever you're struggling with. Or Hey, Casey, I can tell you're frustrated. Listen, I'm going to go in the living room, dump some Legos out. When you're ready, if you want to come help me build a spaceship, I'd love to help you. So when I come in, I'm acknowledging, oh, I can tell you're frustrated. Instead of you're being defiant, you better stop right now. Mm -hmm. I'm identifying something's going on. You're anxious, you're frustrated. Something's going on that's leading you to yell at your mom, which is going to cause you to lose all your stuff. So I've identified, then there's an invitation to come with me. I'm going outside. I'm going to the basement. I'm going to do X. And then this phrase I like, when you're ready. Now, I never use it like this. Hey, son, when you're ready, get your shoes on. We need to go because they'll never get ready. But in an emotional power struggle, when you're ready gives them a little bit of ownership because just saying, 
You need to go outside. You're meeting me in my bedroom right now. Will always elicit no. Then it escalates. When I say when you're ready and then I lead and I walk into the other room, I'm allowing for some movement. I've done things too, Pastor, like in the middle of aisle four in Target, a child's freaking out and melting down. If I just hit the ground and start doing push-ups and say, hey, you want to do 10 with me? I'm leading that child. I'm giving them something physical to do. I'm a busy mom with four kids and one is melting down and I can't go outside, but I can say, oh man, if I were you, I'd be really frustrated too. Hey, could you do me a favor? Could you go in the pantry and get the spaghetti sauce and take the top off the jar for me? That child is out of control right now. I just gave them something they are in control of. I'm building with Legos. Yep. Right? Yeah. Does that, does that oh, make it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I'm thinking to myself, um, how does the person who's listening to this podcast find you and find more of these helps and this, you know, just the practicality of what you're talking about? Um, you know, where do they find you? How can I they get more information? The easiest way, if you just look up the Calm Parenting Podcast or put in Celebrate Calm, C-A-L-M, people put Celebrate Clam, uh, but we're <laughs> CelebrateCalm.com and you'll find us. Look, we're very approachable. Our email addresses uh, everywhere. And if you are struggling with your child, just email and say, I've got a seven-year-old who's struggling with this in school. What should we do? This is not a business. It's not, it's a family mission, right? So mm -hmm. we will reply personally and tell us you've met us through this podcast and through Pastor Brad, because then it makes it more, you know, personal for us. Sure. But yeah. We're well, happy to help anybody. Kirk, do you find with kids that are extremely bright and entrepreneurial to begin with that uh, they many times that is almost that strong willed? I mean, I have always felt like strong-willed people manage life as adults better than many times uh, where, you know, pa passive people, uh, they go through life differently. I agree. I, I, I think it is built in, and that's your before the train up in a uh, child in the way he is supposed to go. See, we always read it as train up in the child in the way I want him to go. Mm -hmm. I know that's my, if you know, that's your child's nature, you know, they're going to fight against authority figures a little bit and they don't want to be told because, and they're not going to work in a corporate world because they'll get fired too much. So, right. So they're, they're born to be entrepreneurial. And I have found, and this is how I encourage parents, childhood is a little bit more difficult for the strong-willed child, but once they find their passion, they're so independent, you won't have to worry about them. Right. It is the... It's the compliant passive people that grow up to be very resentful at times, right? They, they... Yeah. And, and uh, back in the day when I was parenting, they would talk about not breaking the will of a strong-willed mm -hmm. child, but helping them bend it. And from my perspective today, I would say what, what I realize now is if I had learned my own emotional regulation mm -hmm. and raised my own EQ, my kids would have seen something vastly different and would have learned differently from me. 
Um, and, you know, that's, it's a very interesting thing because parenting, we always think is about the child and exactly. we seldom think it's about the parent. <laughs> well, the, the good thing about that pastor is that it, if you spend your life trying to control another human being, whether oh, it's spouse yeah. or kids, people of the opposite political belief, they will be frustrated. You will be frustrated. Yeah. But I have so much power just by walking into a room, sitting down and asking questions Yep. and, and affirming and saying, hey, you know, here's a great thing I love to tell a strong-willed child. And it, and it helps. The other thing that will really help is changing how you view that child. It's a great phrase. You know, I wish I was more like you. You're a go-getter. You're not afraid to push the boundaries. I'm too cautious. You're not afraid to speak up for yourself. I'm a little bit hesitant. I'm a people please. Like affirming those things of, like I always kind of joke, if I were a teacher, I would send home notes to the parents of the compliant children and say, I'm worried about your kid. He sits in class all day waiting for me to tell him what to do. There's no initiative. He colors within the lines. There's no creativity, right? He never blurts out because he yep, doesn't have yep. curious thoughts. Yep. And if you switched it around and said, oh no, I want a strong-willed child because that child is going to push boundaries. And you know, the reason, son, what I love about you is you know how to push our buttons. And you know why? Because you get human nature and you understand and you see patterns and you know that one day you are going to use that because you have a big heart to help people yep. because you understand them. Right now you're using it to provoke me because, and that's on me. So I apologize because the last 83 times you pushed my buttons, I reacted. Yep. And you were just looking, you look, this is part of teaching. You were bored. Your brain needs to be stimulated. And you find the easiest way to do that is to stare at your sister or ugh, just react to me like that. And then we all react. That's mm -hmm. on us. Yeah. I'd rather stimulate your brain by uh, getting you, you love animals. Why don't we get uh, make a job walking dogs in the neighborhood? You can volunteer at the animal shelter, right? You can turn the things that you think are negative into positives and use it to your advantage. So you don't have to break the will. You just need to shape it and give them opportunities to use Direct that. Direct it. Yeah. Direct it. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah. Or give them opportunities to choose from, uh, you know, because we used to say uh, we would, uh, punish. Uh, and now I realize that much of parenting, um, I have experience with one person in particular up close in my uh, extended family, where I would say that uh, the parent is punitive in their punishments. I mean, punitive, way over the top punishments for things that do not there's no understanding. Okay, so it's all this stuff that we're talking about. But um, I would I, I would say to, or we've told our adult son, we could never find what we could take away from you that would change your behavior. Right. Never. Until we discovered money. Yeah. And then it was like, <laughs> but we found we could motivate him with money. And our kids actually got to a point in, in our lives 
where we would be heading into something where they needed to behave and they knew they needed to behave. Maybe it was a, a function at church or it was some kind of family event. And they would say to us, if you'll buy this or if you'll give me this much money, I'll do this. You know, and they started negotiating their own <laughs> behavior ahead of time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hey, dad, you know, this is an important conference. What does it mean to you? for us to behave well. Yeah, that's, that's, they're just, they're very, very bright kids like that. Yeah. Right. And so I found when I had more adult conversations with my son and I talked to him like an adult and had more adult expectations, he tended to respond to that. Yep. Right. And when I said like, Case, look here, here are the options you've got to right? Like one time he comes at me with uh, that tone of voice. Right. And so I was like, Case, last 63 times I've heard that tone of voice. It told me you're anxious, you're frustrated, or you're hungry. Because those are his, his three triggers, even at age 29. So it was, look, you've got two options. You may talk to me like that if you want. It's just not going to end well for you. And see, there's no, there's no shaming. There's no drama. There's no, I can't believe that you would talk to me like that. It was. Because that's just more shaming right there. I, Pastor, I like normalizing. Here's a good one. So we get an email. My nine-year-old snuck his iPad into, into his bed at night, and I can't believe that he would do that, and that breaks. And so the parent is like, it's all the shame. Now, I don't want to let the child get away with it, but I'd rather normalize. Like, of course you snuck your iPad. Why would you not sneak right. something into bed that gives you access to all the world's movies and information? Makes total sense to me, son, that you would do that. Now, we've established in our home, we don't do electronics in bed or after nine o'clock. So you just chose to forfeit your iPad for the next three days. I'm not mad at you. Fully expect you to do that. Just letting you know, these are our boundaries and this is how it works, right? So there's no, there's no need to shame while you give consequence. Or the, uh, here's a good one. Teenage daughter turned off, uh, changed all the passwords on her phone and electronics. Well, of course they're going to do that because what, teen what teenager wants to have her parents look? I would so have been well. the first teen to do it. Yes, right. So it's so low key. Hey, honey, totally get why you would want to do that. Here's what I want you to know: if the passwords are not restored by three o'clock this afternoon, I will call Verizon, let them know we don't need the extra line, and the router gets turned off to the home. Kiss on the cheek walk away. I gave her some space, right? Because she recognized she got busted, but I'm not in her face telling, lecturing her about now we can't trust her and she won't be able to do, it's just, there's no drama in there. And yeah. then, and there's an expectation of, I know you know the right thing to do, honey. And you got caught and you don't like it. And can I throw in one thing that will irritate parents? I guarantee that daughter is going to be like, oh, you guys are such lame parents. My parents don't, uh, my friend's parents don't. Of course they're going to complain. Right. I, I don't react to that. And I would say, if you want to do something funny one time, if your kids always do the grumbling, next time they ask you to take them someplace, just say like, oh, you guys are so annoying. You always <laughs> ask to feed you. Now, you can't do it out of bitterness, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 but yeah. you can do it out of fun with a smile after and say like, 
That's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. We did some of that. And we had so much fun (laughs) as parents doing that. One Christmas when our teenagers were, our kids were teens, we decided that, um, because they always kind of knew what they were going to get or what they wanted, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we had one gift that I gave to my son every year in a different package. It was an old sweater somebody had given me that was ugly. We gave him that butt ugly sweater every Christmas <laughs> and he never took it, you know, um, until one time he took it and it disappeared. We don't know where it went. So, I mean, but the other thing is, is like we would give jumper cables in the most beautifully wrapped right gift okay <laughs> but this particular year we took and like if we were he loved doc martens so he wanted a new pair of doc martens to go with his 32 other pairs of doc martens he had right so what we did was we bought the pair yep but we put an old pair in the box and then we told them that what was supposed to be in the box is somewhere in the house or yard. And so as a teenagers, they had to go find their Christmas presents because they were not in the boxes that they came in. And we had, we had so much fun with that, that year. They didn't think it was that fun. I don't think. I bet they do now though. I bet they look back, right? And they'll, I bet that's something that they will replicate with their own kids, right? Like, yeah, possibly. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think sometimes we just get so wrapped up in their behavior that we realize, you know, and, you know, the bottom line is, is, and as we draw this podcast to a close, if those of you who are listening, get in touch with Kirk, get in touch with their materials. Um, it's not too late. I don't care what age your kid is. You're you he or she may be an adult. I mean, there are it is possible to restore. God is a God of restoration, He's a God of change and uh for the better, you know. And um, more than anything, is I, I think if you start to internalize and say, How do I change? Do I change when people yell at me? Do I change when people are mad at me? Do I, you know, no, I really change when people love me and care about me and give me options. Maybe they let me feel the consequences, you know, but isn't that how God deals with us? He really deals with us in saying, I, it's all love. It's grace and mercy that changes us, not, not fear of God. <clears throat> yeah, it's and a then, of God. Yeah. yeah, and to feel the consequences of our our actions or lack of actions. Yeah. I'd say the final word I would give is enjoy. Enjoy the strong-willed child because along the way, we stop enjoying them, right? Because they ruin our agenda as parents. Yes. Right? And they're like, I thought I was going to do it the right way. But this week, enjoy them. Enjoy some of the difficult parts of them and learn to see how that's going to benefit them because when you, you found this pastor, when you start enjoying people, you love them and it softens them. And there's a humility there and it changes the behavior. And it, well, it's not to change it, it. It makes them more receptive to things because they know I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm laughing with you again. 
So yep. even maybe one of the first things you do instead of just fixing yourself, because that's hard work is laugh as a family again, do some, do yeah, have fun and, things, do yeah, fun do, things. Yeah. Tonight, throw some mac and cheese out in the lawn and let your little kid go out and eat it off the lawn. Right. Like <laughs> they'll love that. Right. Like yeah, have a picnic yeah. on the grass and don't worry about how they're sitting still and whatever it is. Just enjoy being a family again. And you will see so many changes just from taking that constant tension away. So pastor, I appreciate what you do. And it's, it's really, well, important. I, I'm loving what you do and what you're about. And, um, I want to encourage those of you who are listening to this podcast to check it out and uh, check out Kirk's stuff. You want to go to um, calm, uh, celebratecalm.com celebrate or the calm. podcast. I was yep. going to say, keep calm. <laughs> keep calm. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Um, but, and we'll have all of those notes in the uh, show notes for this podcast. But thank you so much for being a part of today. I appreciate it, Kirk. Oh, I love this. Thank you. You bet. God bless you. Well, this has been another edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Listen, I encourage you to look up these this information on the web. Uh, Kirk has a book, um, all these kinds of things. But more so than anything today, I hope that you understand that parenting is a struggle. Parenting is difficult at times, and um, not at times, it's difficult most of the time, but um, these kinds of practical insights are doable. And, um, you know, I could just tell you as a parent who screwed up just about everything you can screw up, I did. And um, my kids still love me. And they're not psychopaths or sociopaths, and they are not in prison. And uh, we have great relationships with them. It's never too late. So um, if you would, let your friends know about this podcast, pass it on, um, share it with others. Um, and if you would, if you're listening on iTunes, if you jot down some comments about it, it helps other people find the podcast itself. And uh, so I pray that you heard great hope today. There's hope. It's never too late. And uh, I, I hate to tell you, if God was going to come to your city and find the worst, most horrible parent, he wouldn't be knocking on your door. And uh, first of all, God wouldn't do that. He'd come and say, he'd sit down Indian style in the bedroom and say with you, this is really tough, isn't it? And because uh, he understands. So my friends, until the next time we talk together, may the Lord hold you in his perfect hope. I'm Brad Hayes, and this has been another edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. You've been listening to Fresh Hope for Mental Health. If you have an opportunity, please review, share, and subscribe to the Fresh Hope for Mental Health podcast on iTunes or on the service that you use. We encourage you to share our podcast on social media with your friends and family. Previous podcasts of Fresh Hope for Mental Health can be found at freshhopeformentalhealth.com, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. Fresh Hope is one of the leading networks of faith-based peer support groups internationally. For more information about Fresh Hope, go to freshhope.us.